You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Sal Sports Radio 101.9 FM. If it takes four pitchers to throw a no-hitter, is it really a no-hitter? I'll get into that in a minute, but I have to start with the Knicks. The Knicks suck. I mean, I'm so tired of it. I know it's the same thing. It's getting old by now. You know, at some point, I hope in my career, and who knows how long that's going to last, but at some point, I hope in my career, I actually get to talk about a Knicks team that is actually good. But until then, it's just false hope and fake empty promises and mediocre players who continue to disappoint. Now, look, the Knicks have been off to a promising start. And then obviously, you know, to get beat up by the way that they did by the Cavs with Donovan Mitchell is frustrating. To then get beat up by the Hawks last night like they did by DeJounte Murray, who goes out there and lights them up. These are two guys that were rumored to be, you know, Future Knicks, potentially. And the Knicks, of course, come up empty in both regards. And once Murray went to Atlanta, I was like, all right, well, maybe they focus all in on Mitchell. And Murray would have been the guy to get. Defensive guy. I mean, he had a career high, of course, last night against the Knicks with 36 points, just dominating in every aspect, six steals. That would have been the guy. They they were interested in him. They just didn't get the job done. Same thing with Mitchell. Interested in him, just didn't get the job done. And then we have to look at a roster. And look, Brunson has been... Much needed. It's refreshing to actually watch a team with a real point guard. And Brunson is that. Now, is he the you know a top point guard in the league? No, I don't think Jalen Brunson is an all-star or is going to be one anytime soon. And you hope that he could be. And he's good and he's much better than anything that they've had. But he's not that next level superstar player that the Knicks are lacking. And then it comes down to the same type guys. Oh, and by the way, the turnovers last night. I mean, the Knicks can't have it. Well, they have 16, 17 turnovers, whatever it was. Can't do that. And Brunson did take accountability for that after the game, saying, I'm the leader, I'm the point guard. Can't do it. He had three on his own. And, of course, the turnover machine, Julius Randle, was at his old, uh, up to his old tricks again. He had four himself. You, It's the same thing with this team. Yeah, Brunson is there. Great. Fournier sucks. He shouldn't be on the, the roster. And it's the same two guys, Barrett and Randall. What are those guys going to give you? And the answer is not enough consistently. Randall has certain strengths. Shooting is not one of them. He had the aberration of a year a couple year ago, a couple years ago, where he was actually shooting well from distance. That's not the case. So what exactly does he do? Turns the ball over. He'll give you a good game occasionally, but he's not. There's no next level to Randall's game. Too many limitations. And with R.J. Barrett, young player, great attitude, great effort. Great promise, just not good enough. And again, can't shoot the basketball. And that's the problem 
for the Knicks in a nutshell. I mean, you could look at the bench and you could get on Emmanuel quickly, who, again, was supposed to be a shooter. And by the way he started out his career, Emmanuel quickly, I thought for sure, was going to be one of those guys who could light it up from downtown, be a combo guard, play him a little on the ball, play him off the ball to two, maybe be able to shoot and score a little bit. And look, Grimes is hurt, and you hope that he could be that guy, eventually take over the starting two-guard role from Evan Fournier. But they're way too inconsistent. Fournier, Barrett, Quickly, Randall, this is the problem. What are the Knicks? Ultimately, I mean, trash is probably too harsh. We know they've been trash for a long time. They're not that at this particular moment. But to get up, see, this is what's frustrating about this game. As we start to turn our attention now to other sports here, the fall, winter sports, whatever, with baseball being over, and look, I'm I'm getting into plenty of baseball today, not only the World Series in a little bit, but I want to get into the off, uh, the hot stove and the offseason with both the Mets and the Yangs. But as we start to turn our attention and pay attention to other teams in this town, obviously the football team is doing well, but, you know, with hockey and basketball, now you start to take a look at the Knicks, and this is a game last night that I, for one, was excited about. Up 23, and I'm thinking, I hate the Hawks. I mean, who doesn't after what happened a couple years ago in the postseason? Trey Young and his hairline and all that stuff. And they're up 23, and I swear to you, I'm sitting there thinking, wow, this is actually going to be a good night for the Knicks. This is a good performance from this team at home, coming off of two losses, taking it to a team that is the caliber of the Hawks. This is a good sign. I like this. And before I could even let that thought sink in, the lead was gone, and the Hawks had flipped the script, and they were up big in the third quarter. And the Knicks inexcusably scoring th- uh, 10 points in the third quarter. I mean, you just can't have that. So, and, and look, I know the NBA is a game of swings and up 20. Really what my thought was, aside from, wow, could this Knicks team be actually good? I swear to you, the second thought was, let me jump in and get a live line right now on the Hawks. Or bet the Hawks second half. Now, I didn't do it, but that was the... Thought process, because you knew they were going to come back. But to come back in the fashion that they did and then end up smoking the Knicks in the process? It's an embarrassment. When will it end? The answer is probably never, or at least not as long as I'm alive. I guess I'll always have have the 90s, and then that's it. And it really is, you know, we're going to get to a point, I don't know if it's going to be midway through this year, at the end of this year, We're going to get to a point where Leon Rose is going to be on the hot seat. Not by some fans and media, although that will be the case, but potentially by the organization as well because it's been years now. And the Knicks should be better than what they are. I'm not trying to completely bury them after seven games, but that type of loss, that is a horrible loss at home. And it's three in a row, and it's been emphasized, look, we know they can't compete with Milwaukee. But when you see Donovan Mitchell with the Cavs, when you see now Murray with the Hawks lighting them up, it becomes even more frustrating because you know the Knicks just don't have that guy. Barrett is not that guy. Randall is not that guy. Brunson is not that guy. The Knicks have a few solid to average Players. That's it. I like Mitchell Robinson for what he is, a defender, a rebound machine. He's got no offensive game. 
And that's fine if you're going to get the offense elsewhere. They don't. They don't have enough. I thought the acquisition of Fournier a couple years ago was going to be a good one because I like the way he shoots the basketball. They needed more of that. It hasn't. It's been a disaster. He stinks. Way too inconsistent. And doesn't do enough. I mean, if he if you're not defending or doing really anything else out on the floor as Evan Fournier continues to do, I mean, he does nothing. Evan Fournier does nothing. He better at least shoot like Steve Novak used to. And he doesn't do that either. So what is his worth, Evan Fournier? And he's easy to pick on, but he's not the biggest problem. The bigger problem is the guys that they pay and rely to be stars aren't stars. That's Randall and that's Barrett. Brunson is doing his job so far. He's not perfect. He's not a superstar. He's doing his job. The other guys need to be better. Now, and even the bench, Reddish has given them some good minutes this year. Obi Toppin has looked pretty good, specifically from shooting downtown. I know it's always talked about as a big part of his game. To me, he was never a good shooter. I think he's been a little bit better this year from what I've seen, and that could be another element. I mean, if they could actually find somebody that could knock down the three consistently, that would help. I want to see a lot more of Grimes moving forward as he gets healthier here. He only played five minutes last night. But that's a bad loss for the Knicks. It's a bad loss for a bad team. And they were playing well at home. Now they fold the 3-1 and one at home. But it also just shows you where they are in the landscape of the NBA's Eastern Conference. And it's not anywhere near good enough. Go through the teams. They just got spanked by three of them in a row. Milwaukee, best. Cavs, very good. Donovan Mitchell's got to be thrilled to get out of the Western Conference. I mean, think about it. It makes me sick seeing the Cavs up there. The Cleveland Cavaliers, who were supposed to be worthless after LeBron James left. Here they are again as a top team with terrific young talent. You saw what Atlanta could do. You know Boston's going to be good. I mean, are the Knicks even legitimately top 10? You'd expect Brooklyn to get better. No, they'd have to get a little bit better. All right, maybe Indiana, Charlotte. I mean, the Knicks are maybe going to battle for that 10th spot. Maybe Washington comes back down a little bit. But Philadelphia will get better. I expect Brooklyn to get better. Miami, I mean, the Knicks are, they're in no man's land, which is the worst possible place to be. They have a ton of draft picks. They have some solid players. And they're not going to be able to do anything with it. I'd rather them go back to, not that I want to see tanking because I don't, but Either get the superstar or tank for the two superstar. And again, even they can't tank the right way. So I'm and I'm not trying to lose games on purpose. I'm just saying I'd rather not be in between. But with the lottery, who knows? We've seen them get screwed before. The year that they should have had the number one pick, and they probably would have messed that up anyway and taken Zion. But at the I mean, imagine how and you guys, you know, some people think that sports aren't about luck. If the Knicks somehow, instead of a few years ago, fell into the second overall pick as opposed to the third overall pick, which, by the way, at the time where everybody was hoping and praying for Zion, at the time it would have been, ah, they got the second pick. That sucks. 
all right, we'll take John Morant. Now, me personally, I like John Morant better than I did Zion. And I'm sure there were some people who agreed with me. But the point is, it would have been disappointing. You wanted the number one pick to have your choice. Whether you wanted to go Zion, whether you wanted to go John Morant, you wanted the number one pick. And the Knicks earned that number one pick by being the worst team in the league. And, of course, with their luck, they don't fall from one to two, which would have been bad enough. They fall from one to three. And don't even luck into John Morant because they would have, although knowing them, they would have probably taken Barrett with the number two pick, but they would have basically fell into John Morant. All right, sucks we missed out on the top pick with Zion, but you know what? We got John Morant. And think about how close, A, that was to becoming a reality, and B, what a difference that would have made here. It would have changed our lives as sports fans. The content that we discussed, the excitement that we'd had, it would change everything. And instead, we're talking about the same old stuff. Whether they missed out on a superstar in the draft, and the guy that they get is clearly nowhere near that in R.J. Barrett. Forget superstar, he's not even an all-star. And they miss out on Donovan Mitchell, who wanted to be here, who would have loved to have been a Nick. They miss out on Murray, a guy who's not even a top guy, but a guy that had shown great promise and potential. The Knicks were interested and they didn't land him. Maybe one of those guys that could have turned into a a superstar. You saw what he did last night. He could have turned into a superstar with the Knicks, but they don't get him either. It's nothing but disappointment with this team. And I don't know when it's going to change. 877-337-6666. Get into your Knicks calls on the other side and... The no-hitter in the World Series. How about that? The Astros get a win in Philadelphia, and they no-hit the Phillies in doing so. The second no-hitter, asterisk, the second no-hitter in World Series history. But is it really a no-hitter if four guys have to participate in it? I don't think so. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Let it rip. Call the fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com. Where's Omar in Brooklyn at? It's Knicks season. Plus his bills are good. Where you at, Omar? 877-337-6666 is the number to call. I'd like to hear him defend these Knicks. We'll get to the Nick calls in a second, but I wanted to get into the no-hitter. I, look, I, I we've been down this road before with combined no-hitters or guys getting pulled out of perfect games early on. 
What's the excuse last night? And the Astros get the win 5 nothing. No hitting the Phillies in the process, but it took four pitchers to do it. So a combined no-hitter. Second time that Philadelphia has been combined no-hit this year. The first, of course, was the Mets. And it's the second now World Series no-hitter, but it's not really a no-hitter. I mean, even Javier, after the game, I guess, was saying, oh, his parents said he was going to throw a no-hitter today. He didn't. He didn't throw a no-hitter today. Four guys combined to throw a no-hitter. Javier didn't throw a no-hitter. Now, that dude is as nasty as a pitcher as there is right now. Christian Javier does not give up a hit. Yankees and their fans know that. But a combined no-hitter, it's not the same. I didn't even really... I mean, I was interested a little bit, and I was working at SNY, so I couldn't be locked in on the game. Maybe I would have. And I was watching the game throughout the course of the night. I had them and the Knicks on. But if it were Javier going for the no-hitter himself, it would be huge news and a huge story and a great moment for the history of the sport. But Javier in a combined no-hitter doesn't do it for me. I don't feel like we witnessed a World Series no-hitter. I feel like we saw a combined no-hitter. It's different than a no-hitter. It doesn't matter to me. And look, for the Mets, it was nice. They've only had you know one regular in their history. And even that, though, it was still, it's a combined no-hitter. It's not as a big, a big of a deal when multiple pitchers partake in it as opposed to just the one. And what's the excuse for Dusty Baker now? And look, I know you want Javier to come back and make his next start in this series later on, but you, you're in the World Series. You're, you're going to pull him after six innings? He's fortunate that nobody else got touched up in the bullpen. Because, I mean, if the Astros blew that game, then what? And essentially blew the World Series, then what? What's he pulling him out for? Let him go another inning at least. He was at 97 pitches. I'm not trying to say you got to run the guy into the ground. There's no difference of throwing 113 pitches, let's say, 115 pitches, and coming back to make his next start or 97. Like, give me a break. You're at that point already. This is not the regular season. Think about that. You're talking about a World Series game. A world. This is history for a different reason. This is the World Series. This matters more than any game in the sport. And the Astros with a 5-0 lead, which we've seen has not been insurmountable, especially for the Phillies and especially in that ballpark. The Astros and Dusty Baker pulled their starter who was literally unhittable. They pulled him out of the game. They deserved to lose that game. I was rooting for that. I wish that would have been the case. That, to me, is the bigger story than the combined no-hitter. How in the world can a manager pull out a starting pitcher in the most important series that there is in the sport, pull him out early, six innings, after the guy is... Throwing a no-hitter. It's not a, It's not August, which is bad enough, but it's not August or April. This is the World Series. In a game that they had to win because they were down two games to one. On the road. What if Abreu didn't have it? Or Montero didn't have it? Dusty would never live that one down. To pull a guy out of a no-hitter to me is bad enough. But to do it in a World Series game just makes absolutely no sense.
the World Series. So let's say he does this. What's Is Javier on schedule to start game six now, I guess it would be? Oh, no, not game six. Yeah, would it be game six or where are we at here? Uh, say it was game four, so game seven. He would start at game seven. Right? I got the calendar all messed up here with the pushback now. So tonight was supposed to, tonight, Thursday night, was supposed to be an off day, but they will be playing game five instead. One, two, three. He could pitch in game seven on three days rest potentially. So he was going to start that on full days rest anyway. So maybe they want him coming out of the bullpen. Sure. All right. But to pull him out of a game, and my point was going to be anyway, what if he has a no-hitter going in game seven? Let's say he started game seven. Forget on short rest, although that would be the case in in reality. But hypothetically, let's say a pitcher, maybe not him, a pitcher has a no-hitter going in game seven of the World Series or game six of the World Series in a clinching game, potentially clinching game. And he's got a no-hitter through six, and he's thrown 98 pitches. You're taking him out of that game? you got to be out of your freaking mind taking him out of that game. Uh, I don't know. I just don't like the way the sport has gone with this. And instead of looking at it, and people are celebrating it, and that's fine. If you're into it, I mean, good for you. I personally, a no-hitter was what Nolan Ryan used to throw. You can't compare this to those. But the idea that you would pull a pitcher out who's been unhittable in a World Series game after just 97 pitches, I just, I mean, what are we doing here? It's a shame that Houston didn't get blown up in that bullpen. That was the fate that they deserved for pulling him out of there. 877-337-6666. Robbie is in Lennox. What's up, Robbie? Hey, Sal. Great to be first tonight. Always enjoy, really enjoy your uh, show. You know, managers just make me sick to my stomach. Can we talk about Rob Thompson pulling his pitcher out of the fifth inning? I mean, no, it's zero zero, and he pulls him out. See, I can't stand the micromanaging stuff. So they all do it, and I agree with you 100%. Dusty pulling a guy out with no hitter. This is what makes baseball so annoying now. All this cybergenic analytic nonsense. It's like nobody has any steel for the game from their gut, and they all do it. It's not only Dusty Baker. It's not only Thompson Boone. It's all these guys micromanaging the game in the fifth inning. It's the fifth inning. You can't tell me with all the money you're paying Aaron Nola that he can't induce a ground ball. Well, I mean, I guess he could have, but Nola has the propensity to implode. So I'm not going to knock Robbie Thompson there. I mean, look, going to Alvarado, trying to shut it down on that spot with Nola getting in trouble, he'd rather have gotten beaten with he feels is his best guy, and that's Alvarado, not Nola. And he did get beat with Alvarado. But it's so stupid. It's the fifth inning of a baseball game. These guys, it's just that these guys panic so quickly in a 0 0 game. The other thing that drives me crazy. Well, it's the opposite, actually, of what Dusty did. Right, right, exactly. You're right. He, mean, he takes Noah out, and then Dusty's right. leaving. Uh, excuse me. He he takes Noah out because he doesn't want to get him in any more trouble. He wants to go to his best guy because he's he's not panicking, but putting a little more emphasis on it. And then instead, Dusty's like, "Oh, you know what? We'll live to play another yeah, couple of games crazy. here and take Javier out." That was nuts. I mean, he was. I mean, stuff was explosive. But you know, God forbid the Phillies could look the other way. And God forbid, you know, when you're being shut out and you're being no hit. I mean, I know it's not. It makes a lot of sense in baseball today. But we used to call it butcher boy when I was a kid. Just hitting against the ship, laying one down, getting the hell on base. Like there's no thought process for baseball players today. They're just up there hacking away, hacking away, trying to hit home runs. And the other thing I wanted to cover was the Knicks. I agree with you. 
It, I, I don't understand how you combined for 10 points in the third quarter tonight. I didn't see the game, but I don't understand why I didn't go after Donovan Mitchell. The guy's from the area. He's from Elmsbury. I grew up in Porchester, so we grew up, you know, like in the same area. And the guy is really popular. He does the summer camps and everything in the summer and so forth. Why they couldn't trade some picks? Why does Scott Perry ever pick anybody decent for crying out loud? So to me, use those picks as assets. And the other thing, too, is, Again, the Knicks had. Well, I'm not sure what the holdup there was initially because there were mixed reports, Robbie, if you remember. At first, it was saying, oh, the Knicks don't want to give up R.J. Barrett. And then it turned out that R.J. Barrett was in the deal, but the Knicks didn't want to give up the extra picks. And then that's it. The next thing you know, Donovan Mitchell is going to Cleveland, and the Knicks missed an opportunity to get their superstar. Now, yeah, but Brunson in the backcourt was nice, right? Well, yeah. Now, again, let's get realistic for a second. Would it have been nice? Would it have been exciting? Yes. Would it have yeah. been championship caliber? No. Okay, so then that's the point. So then I right. almost commend the Knicks. While it's frustrating not to have Donovan Mitchell, while it's frustrating not, a great defender. Yeah, not to have Murray. Well, that's the other thing. That's why Murray right. might have been the better play. I mean, well, Murray. I agree, I agree with you on Murray, absolutely. When we I said that at the time when you know the yeah. Knicks were rumored to be interested in him, I was like, right. oh, this guy on paper sounds great. A uh, good defender, obviously could score. He'd be a perfect fit for what they need. And a guy who could potentially become a star. And you saw a little bit a uh, glimpse of that last night where he was lighting the Knicks up. That's the player that you want to get. And instead, of course, a rival in Atlanta gets him in the Eastern Conference. But right. point is, they if they didn't feel like Mitchell was going to bring them a championship, then I can understand not going all in with those picks and maybe right, waiting right. for a different player who they feel like can be the difference. No, that's a, it's a good point. But I don't understand why a guy like Mitchell Robinson, you know, I know he's a rebounder. Why can't this guy develop some kind of low-post move? See, this is what bothers me. The Knicks scored 50 points in the paint tonight. And again, you know, you and I talk about this all the time. Why do you have to shoot 37 shots and 23 feet out when you're having success inside? I don't understand what the hell an NBA coach does. It's like a babysitter sitting on the sideline watching these guys chuck threes for no rhyme or reason half the time. I just... The analytics to me bother me so much. You take away all the motion, all the movement, all the beauty. Well, that's not true. There is game. good there is good ball movement. Sometimes. And the Knicks, by the way, have shown that this yeah, year, certainly bit, much better than bit. in years past. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, like I said, Brunson makes a difference. But the thing is, they don't get the consistency from their forward. And I agree with you about RJ. He's just too inconsistent right now. Imagine if we had Ja. Oh, man, Tony Sal. That would have been fun. I know they, they, he's a wonderful player to watch. He really is. And I agree with you. He's, he's, he's paid more dividends to uh, the uh, you know the Grizzlies than certainly how Zion has paid down the world. Anyway, thanks for the time. Well, he, no, thank you, Robbie. Yeah. yeah, you know it's a rough night when the callers are hanging up on you. The Grizzlies with John ja Morant, uh, they got, I mean, they got lucky. John ja Morant's a superstar. Grizzlies got lucky. They fell into the number two pick. The Pelicans took Zion. And the Grizzlies had the luck that we've been waiting for for the Knicks to be able to get. And they just haven't had it. And now they're unfortunately, or at least have been, too good. Not that they're any good, but they're too good to be getting a top pick. And even if they did, I'd have no faith that they would nail it. But I'd rather have the opportunity. I feel like that's where we're at with the Knicks now. It's, why bother? They're a mediocre team at best. And I don't even know if you could say mediocre. Because, again, you look at the landscape of the NBA's Eastern Conference. Go team by team. Who are the Knicks better than? Who are they on par with in the East? Are they as good as the Bucs? Absolutely not. Cavs? Absolutely not. 
Raptors, no. Hawks, no. Celtics, no. Sixers, you don't think the Sixers are going to get it going eventually? I mean, that's six right there. Even Brooklyn, as bad as they are. Now, look, if you want to say, wow, you can't be picking teams that are worse than them right now. Yeah, but I'm looking at talent-wise. Those At any moment, and look, Brooklyn's a mess. I, I get it. But at any moment, if their talent clicks, they're going to be better than the Knicks. The Knicks, if they max out, I guess that's the best way to look at it. Maybe that's what I'm doing in my mind. If you look at these rosters in the Eastern Conference and say, which if these teams all maxed out, where would the Knicks end up? And the answer is probably on the outside looking in, even in the play-in. Which, by the way, I know we've, you know, it's been around for a few years now. It's pathetic. The play-in, 10 teams. I mean, think about it. Think about how bad you have to be to not be in the postseason in the NBA. And the Knicks are right there. They're 10, 11, something like that. That's where they're going to be. Not good enough for a top pick. Not good enough for a good playoff run. Why bother? Tom is in North Brunswick. What's up, Tom? Uh, uh, not much. How you doing? How are yeah. you, Tom? I, I think, uh, it's just, I haven't talked about this for like a long time, but I, I think for, uh, I think they're going to be better what you say. And, and you know what with the Nets? I know on paper they have talent, but it's such a dysfunctional thing going on this year and they can't, they don't play any defense. I, I bet you the Knicks finish are better than the Nets. Well, they're not more talented than the Nets. No, I, I know that. I'll well, that's kind of what I was saying. Yeah, there. as a team, yeah. do you look? If you had to bet your life savings on it right now, Tom, who do you think is going to finish with a better record, the Nets or the Knicks? Which team would it be? You got me now. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah, exactly. You could but, think but, you want you, you want to say the Knicks. In reality, you can't. Yeah, but then again, I, I'm just. Um, you know, I, I, maybe it's because it's been so long. You know, they always go to a good start in the first few games. I mean, the Knicks have talent. They're not, they're not without. They're not without talent. I know, but, but the I, problem is, look at the. Where do they have talent? Give me the. Give me the three top guys. Uh, well, uh, Jay, what is this? Uh, Jalen, Jalen Brunson. Yeah, Brunson, Barrett, and uh, the other guy. What's his name? Randall. Uh, Randall. Right. So, yeah. but two of those guys aren't good enough at what they do. Jalen Brunson is a solid point guard. And you got to give yeah. him a, you know, let's see what he does here, full year, being the lead guy for the Knicks. Fine. The other two guys, R.J. Barrett has improved in his career, but he's not taking yeah. that next step to be an all-star. Julius Randle oh, is what he is. He was an all-star, yeah. but he's not that player anymore. But, Sal, he took a big step last year, and it's only it's just the beginning of the season right now. Who? Uh, 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 R.J. Barrett, where he was, he was, he shot No, but it's, it's the same problem, yeah. Tom. He's not a good enough shooter. It's the same problem. But he he improved on that. He and and he may improve more. It's only the beginning of the season. No, you again improve this, improve that. No, not good enough. Look at John Morant. That's what you got to compare him well, to. Yeah. I, I know. Well, what that. do you mean? Yeah. Well, yeah, the Knicks got him with the next pick. I mean, that's but, the but problem. Yeah, but you're making it sound like Barrett has no talent. He averaged twenty something points, didn't he? He's he's not good enough. They're not good yeah. enough. He's oh, is he an well, all star? Forget about being a superstar. How about an all star? Yeah. 
Well, we got to see. Because an all star, an all star would be more than this. An all star would be good enough, Tom. If he were Julius Randle two years ago, was an all star, and it got the Knicks the four seed in the Eastern Conference. Now, unfortunately for the Knicks and Randle, he's not that player consistently. He's he's okay. He's good. He's not all star good. Uh, Brunson, same thing. Brunson's good. He's okay. He's not all-star good. R.J. Barrett, good potential, not all-star good. So you're talking about difference between all-star and superstar as well. John Morant's not just an all-star. He's a superstar. Yeah, yeah, I know that. But, Sal, it's uh, – it's it's uh, all I'm saying is that you're you're basically right. But all I'm saying is the beginning of the season, it just started – and R.J. Barrett took a big step last year, and maybe he takes even a bigger step this year. All right, and let's say he does. Where are the Knicks then in the Eastern Conference? Uh, I think they're going to finish better than that. I really do, because of that's your dysfunction. Oh, you, I told you. Much, you put your life, don't have as much talent. You put your the life savings on the apart. line. Uh, I don't know. They're falling apart, and they play no defense. Well, the Nets are a disaster for different reasons, Tom, and thank you for the call. Appreciate checking in. But forget about the Nets. If the Nets are a disaster like they are right now, if they continue to do that... And maybe they blow it up. Who knows what's going to happen there? But you're talking about one of the worst teams. Right now, the Nets are you know, the only two teams worse than them in the Eastern Conference are the Pistons and the Magic. So saying that the Knicks are going to be finish, uh, finishing better than the Nets really doesn't do anything. Forget the Nets for a second. If I tell you R.J. Barrett turns into an all-star this year, how good can the Knicks be? Are they going to be what? A six seed? An eight seed? I mean, what are we looking at? And that's if he's an all-star, which is not going to happen. He's not good enough. Their problem is they got two guys in Randall and Barrett that are being paid very well and are expected to be better than what they have been consistently. Each have shown signs. Julius Randall had an all-star year. They're hoping Barrett could take that next step. I thought maybe he could. I'm I'm losing hope that that's going to be the case. I mean, you look at what DeJounte Murray did last night. R.J. Barrett can't do that. When he knocks down a three, it's more, oh, wow, than, oh, he's got this. I would say right now the Knicks' two best players this year for what they do. Again, I value guys on doing their jobs and doing it well. Not just have to be superstar players. Their best players this year are Jalen Brunson and Mitchell Robinson. Because Mitchell Robinson, at least you know he's going to be a beast on the boards. You know Mitchell Robinson is going to be a force in the middle defensively. I can live with that. Now, he can't score. He's got no offensive game. But at least you know what you're getting from him with the interior defense. Hartenstein actually hasn't been bad either. He does his job pretty well, too. Big man in the middle, can move the ball a little bit, has an offensive game. But their two best players, in my estimation, have been Brunson and Robinson. And really, they needed to be R.J. Barrett and Randall. And Brunson. That's their big three. Look at the, compare them to the other teams. I mean, whoever it may be Collins, Hunter, who would you rather have? Randall or Collins or Hunter?
Where would you rank Randall on that list? Who would you rather have, Murray or R.J. Barrett? Who would you rather have, Trey Young or Jalen Brunson? I mean, think about that difference. Not even close. Sometimes it's good to talk about it. Call the fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com. on the fan just having a friggin sneezing attack i don't know what's going on today i've had some allergies kicking in 877-337-6666 is the number to call fleeks and i were just talking about a couple things off the air one i'll save for a little bit later in the show but one was an interesting point it's like well actually they were both interesting but one was what we were talking about recently here with the knicks kind of there's a new york sports curve taking place where the jets and giants have been so bad that their teams this year look great, dot, 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 in comparison to themselves in recent years, but not in reality to the rest of the league. And as Fleeks brought up the point, similar with the Knicks, where the Knicks have been so awful for so long that any semblance of a competent basketball team will look great to the Knicks fans, and me included. You get sucked in. Wow, we actually have some players here. And then you realize, yeah, they're much better than the 20-win Knicks, but they're not any good in comparison to the actual good teams in the league. So because New York sports, and in this particular case, we're talking about the Knicks and then the Jets and Giants, because they, and maybe even more so the Jets, Giants, I feel like people, look, Giants have been legit this year, and I feel like people are grading them properly. Good, solid, well-coached, not talented enough to do any real damage. However, they should be a playoff team. With the Jets, prior to the New England game especially, people were overvaluing or overrating the Jets. It's like they, they get excited just because they're way better than anything they've been in recent years, to Fleek's point. There's a New York sports curve happening here. Jets and the Knicks are the prime example of that. Yes, the Knicks are much better than what they were, but it's still probably only going to be good enough to be, at best, a 8-10 through 10 seed. Where initially coming in, I had hopes of them being a top 6. 877-337-6666. Jack is calling from the Upper West Side. What's up, Jack? Hey, so uh, Good to get you early. Um you know, um, I, uh, I'm still keeping track of you. I, I, I tap into Odyssey when I have a chance and, um, you know, look for some of our favorite callers and uh, catch baseball night in New York. But um, um, but what got me to call you tonight was, um, um, you know, the, the, the no-hitter. And, um, you know, I have, to, I have to disagree with you on this. Um, I feel like, um, you know, I think the Astros and Javier have, really only one thing on their mind right now. I think they, their eyes on the prize and they, what they want is to win the World Series. I saw no sign. But, you know, I, I think the fact that um, selflessly Javier wanted to give his team the best chance to win, um, they have like 150 people, you know, who trying to analyze 
um, what gives them the maximum chance to be effective combined with, you know, maybe, you know, Dusty reading what his eyes tell him. And, and I just think that, that that team had no, you know, they were, they joyously celebrated no hitter, but I think Nolan Ryan would, I think he would give up three or four of his no hitters, maybe all five of them or whatever, whatever he had. You would have um, to, and I'm, I'm not joking when I say this, you would have to stab Nolan Ryan to get him off the mound in a World Series no hitter. You'd have you'd have to literally stab him and potentially kill him. There's no yeah, way I Nolan Ryan is coming out of that game. I understand that Nolan Ryan was a kind of freak of nature, a, a body like one of the rarest bodies in the history of sports. But I I think that guy is haunted by the fact that he didn't he, you know he contributed you know he contributed for the Mets when he won his ring. But I think he's haunted by the fact that he never got that ring later in his career, and that's why he would sit in the front row behind home plate and watch his team when he was. Well, at, uh, but but it, it, it's we're getting off off base here. Number one, Nolan Ryan was one of the great pitchers. You know, the guy's a Hall of Fame pitcher. You can't argue his career. Every player would have liked to have won more. But the point is, we're talking about comparing. You know, the it's a different generation, different pitcher. I get it, and I'm not trying to knock. Um, Javier here. What I'm saying is I can't believe that it's the World Series and you're taking out clearly your best pitcher at that particular point. I don't care how big the lead is. Taking him out of that game in a game where it, Philly could have easily come back. They didn't, but they could have easily come back. I, I, it's hard for me to believe. Yeah, and if they had, it would have been like what it would have been Dusty's third time taking out a guy with a shutout and losing a World Series game. So he would have never, you know. But th- but but they didn't lose, and I and I just think that they've got the team goal ahead of any individual goal, and I think that's the way it should be. I think the goal, the the the, the team has to come first. Uh, right, winning but the Jack, World Series is the goal. Jack, why do you say that the team is coming first, and by a, a result of taking Javier out means that the team is coming first? It has nothing to do with that. For me. The best thing for the team would be to leave Javier in. Well, that's not how they've won. They've won by having a power bullpen that has been locked down for most of the year, coming in with different guys, blowing people away. That's what Abreu and Montero and Presley did all year. And they and 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 they've got three more games in the next four days, and and their goal is to win four, not not to win tonight. Their goal is to win. Yeah, but four. you can't win the next ones if you don't win tonight. This is the World well, Series. If this were Game Six or Game Seven, you'd be okay with that. Well, you know what? Sure. You know, well, if it was Game, if it was Game Six or Seven, and, and there's like, like pretty much no chance that Javier could come back and give you two or three innings if needed in Game Seven on Sunday, then then maybe you could make that argument if he's in the ninety-seven pitches. Let him let him go at least another inning. See how that goes. He could have potentially you know, pitched two more innings. You tell me he couldn't throw one hundred and fifteen pitches. What if they need him on Sunday in Game Seven? All right, so what? It's 115 pitches. What? He can't go back out there on three days rest. Gary Cole could do it. Okay. Well, what? Well, what if they? What if he got up to 130 to to, to trying to win a pitch? Well, I mean, look, you want to? You? I'm not trying to get crazy here, but he got to 97. He took him out after 97. So I'm saying stretch him to 115. Who knows how? And look, maybe he gives up a hit, and then it's no big deal. But how do you take out a guy? who has literally not given up a hit after six innings. The Phillies had three innings to come back on the bullpen, which while it is good, it is not as good as Javier. Javier is their best pitcher right now. Hmm. Well, you know, I, I could say that on any given day, Presley's just as, Presley's just as good as him. Um, and Abreu has been incredible. And even, even, I mean, I think Montero's, what did he give, like two home runs in 60 innings this year? I mean, it's hard to say it as a mess then. But I don't know. I just, I just think that... that that's the way that that's the, the strategy is to 
think about the series, winning the series, having you know, p- putting guys in their roles, and it worked out for them tonight. They didn't well, lose. Well, but so, but that's why um, I don't I don't second guess based on result. I second guess based on what I believe is the right move or wrong move. So the result is not to me the deciding factor whether the decision was right or not. It shouldn't be. Well, it worked, so it's right. No, I don't agree with that because it could have not worked out. And then what? So I'm going based on what I believe in. Yeah, it worked out tonight. I still don't believe in that philosophy. Put yourself, put the Mets in those shoes. You're a Mets fan, Jack. Let's say DeGrom or Scherzer, one or the other, you know, could actually pitch in the postseason for a change. And they had a no-hitter through six innings. And I, you could say it's different with the Mets bullpen. Sure, let's just say that they, you know, you could use Diaz for eight nine. They could figure it out if, for the seventh inning. So let's say that they that Buck pulled Degrom or Scherzer with ninety seven pitches after six innings, handed it over the bullpen. You think that's the right move? You know, I, honestly, I, I think the quality of their bullpen justifies them taking that approach. I think the approach is sound based on how they've achieved their success. And and sure it hurts, you know. Sure you'd love to see one of your guys, you know, accomplish a historic feat, something that's only happened. But uh, but Jack, Uh, again, I'm not talking about that in this case. I'm not talking about that. Now I would like to have seen that. I want to, and 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 I I want I I I I don't want to burn Javier if it means that he. What what if I need him on Sunday? What if I need him need him on Sunday? Well, why would you need him with that great bullpen? What do you mean you're so you're such in a hurry to get to that great bullpen? What do you need a starter to come out of relief for? Well, that's well. Well, okay. The the other thing about a World Series is it is unique. Is that teams see guys, you know, over seven days. They they might they, you know like uh, Alvarez is going to face Alvarado how many times in the series, and maybe Alvarado beats him twice, and maybe the uh, 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 the third time Alvarez gets him. What if you this know, were I, a two I nothing just, game, Jack? What if it were two nothing game? Yeah, if it were t- if it were two nothing, I don't know. Maybe I would have given Shannon Waffle one more inning. Okay, so maybe then to me, minutes. that's where we have. See, I understand that you want to look at the score and say, and thank you for the call, Jack. Good stuff. Appreciate the back and forth. I understand you want to say, well, it's five nothing, but in reality, this team, the Phillies, have come back all postseason long. The Phillies have been impossible to stop, really, in the playoffs overall, but especially at that ball in that ballpark. So I would be treating it as if it were a, you know, World Series game. Every World Series game is important. Especially this one down to one. They had to win this game, Houston. It's like saying, oh, they had a five-run lead. There's no need to go to Edwin Diaz. What? Close the thing out. Who are you going to go to? Are you going to bring in a lesser guy in the bullpen? Dusty got away with it this time. He might not the next time. Guy had a no-hitter. Let him go. Let him go. Susan's calling from Brooklyn. What's up, Susan? And not because of the individual achievement, because it's the right move to get the win. What's up, Susan? Yeah. Hi, Sal. I got to be the happiest person on the face of this earth, and please hear me out, okay? I will... I'm a diehard Mets fan, and when my husband was alive, we've been to Philly many times. I had, and we would, went Philly Met games. I had to go camouflage in an Oriole shirt and a fly cap because the Philly, the Philadelphia fans are worse. And I also read something about 
a catering company not serving the Astros food, refusing. I mean, come on. I mean, Sal, if I'm wrong, you could tell me. I've always looked up to you. You could tell me. No, I mean, what? That you're happy that the Phillies got no hit? It's embarrassing for them to get no hit in a World Series game at home. No, but the fact that, you know, like I'm saying, like I've been to Philly games. Mm-hmm. I'm a Yeah, I mean, I I think any opposing fan is going to get on, or not opposing fan, if you're an opposing fan going into their home, they're going to get on you. And Philly can be known for maybe being harsher than other fan bases. They're a passionate fan base. I don't have a problem with that. Yeah, no, I understand. But you don't have to like it. No, you're right. No, I agree. But it's just like, I just feel, you know, like it takes the sting off the Mets getting knocked out. I mean, to me, it does. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. You can tell me. Well, look, that is your opinion, Susan. I appreciate you calling, and of course, I always appreciate the kind words. I I personally don't think that, I mean, for me, it does not. I don't think that that should take the sting away from the Mets' own embarrassment. Would you rather be in the World Series and get no hit? I mean, it's still 2-2. They, they could win the World Series, and nobody cares about the combined no-hitter. Would you rather be in the World Series and get no hit or out in the wild card round? I mean, I think the answer is easy. So I, I don't feel like any Met fan can be... Now, you could enjoy the night, Susan. Enjoy it. You know why you enjoy it? Because their fans right now are miserable. Philadelphia Phillies fans expecting a party. They've been raucous throughout the playoffs. They just witnessed a no-hitter in the World Series. But they also have a chance to go out there and win the World Series if they just win two more games. So it's not that bad. And any Met fan that tried to talk trash to Philly right now, they'd laugh in your face. Be like, how'd that division go? And what happened in the wildcard round again? Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.